here is called Greater. Somebody shout, Jesus is Greater. Oh, yeah, Jesus is Greater. We're doing a verse-by-verse study of the book of Hebrews. So we're in Hebrews chapter 4 this morning. And I'm telling you right now, this is a powerful, powerful word that's about to come forth in this house. Jesus is greater. Part five today is called The Word is Greater. How many knows the Word is greater? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They're already starting to, I think that's a gift to the budget. Is that what that is? Praise God, the first gift to the budget. If anybody else feels led to bring it up, drop it on there. The gift to the budget, you can. Praise God, it's begun. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says this. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us there let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith for those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore, it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time as it has been said, today, if you will hear my voice or hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, some of your King James Version are like, what? Because your King James Version says Jesus. I'll get to that in a minute. And Joshua, come on, somebody. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken on another day. Verse 9, I think we all need to read verse 9 out loud. One, two, three, go. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now I read a lot of scriptures and now I'm going to talk about it because they were all in the same context of the rest. Last week in chapter 3, verse 19 of chapter 3, he talked about rest. I told you back then that this was a direct quote from the book of Psalm chapter 95. Many of many of these words were quotes from Psalm 95, talking about and detailing the disobedience of the children of Israel as they wandered in the wilderness. I said it last week. I want to review and tell you again that other than Joshua and Caleb, every single person that saw the ten plagues, that watched the Passover uh, happen and the angel pass over them and the death of their firstborn did not happen. And they were able to go out. Every single one that stood at the Red Sea and watched God part the Red Sea and walk across on dry land. Every single one that came out of Egypt that saw manna fall from heaven, that saw birds come and feed them, that saw water come from the rock. Every single one that saw all of these things happen that came out of Egypt, not a single one except, I say not a single one, except for Joshua and Caleb, every other person. It's estimated between 1.5 and 3 million people died in the wilderness and did not make it into rest. And that rest was the promised land. Somebody shout the promised land. So we see in chapter 4, he continues. you got to keep in mind. Sometimes I have to remind you of this because 
If you, don't, if you don't know, and sometimes you tend to forget even if you do know, that the Bible was not written in chapter and verse. Even though it's, it makes it easier to memorize, that's why they did that. That's why they broke it down into chapter and verse so that we could easily find certain things and certain principles and passages, memorize them, talk about them, and tell them. But every book, all 66 books in the Bible, were really not books. They were letters. They were manuscripts. They were a flowing letter. There was no division. There was not a chapter 3 and then you read chapter 3 and stop and then chapter 4 picks back up. Chapter 3 and chapter 4 of the book of Hebrews is in the same flowing letter that the writer of Hebrews was writing to the Messianic Jews and to those that were of Jewish belief that had not yet accepted Jesus as the Messiah. So when you hear chapter 3 talk about the rest meaning the promised land and then you hear chapter 4 as we just read pick back up with the word rest, then we understand he is still speaking of the same thing that he was speaking of in chapter 3, which is the promised land. But then he goes on and says, even the promised land was a type and shadow of the true promised land. The true promised land is the promise that Jesus gave us. And he said, I'm going away. But if I go away, I will not leave you comfortless. That's one promise. But then he comes right back and says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Can I get an amen? How many knows that one day we're going to see Jesus? One day we're going to cross over into the promised land. It ain't just flowing in milk and honey. It's flowing in all blessings and all favor. Every uh, every eye that has ever cried before shall be wiped. There shall be no tears. Can I get an amen? There'll be no sickness. There'll be no pain. There'll be no virus. Praise God. There'll be no cancer. There'll be no AIDS. There'll be no uh, heart disease. There'll be no racism. There'll be no division. Can I get an amen? And by the way, not only will there not be any racism, there won't be any racists. Because if you're a racist, you ain't going. Somebody say, he's telling the truth. You racist, you ain't going to heaven. That's demonic. Yeah, you, yeah, you're going to the smoking section. That's what I heard somebody say. So chapter 4 picks up on the word rest and begins to reveal to us that there is a rest that is, a, that is preserved for the people of God. It's greater than anything Moses, Joshua, or anyone else ever dreamed of. This rest is the rest of eternity with God. Remember he in chapter 4, he quotes the Garden of Eden. He quotes creation. That on six days he made it all, and the seventh day he rested. Well, that rest that he was talking about is not Jericho. That rest that he's talking about is where he is. He, his rest is not just chilling out in a, lawn, in a recliner with a remote in your hand. That's what we call rest now, or laying in a hammock, or, or sleeping on the beach. And all those things are nice, and the breeze going over, and you're resting, sleeping. As long as you want to sleep, get as much rest as you want. This rest is not that kind of rest. This rest is the removal of any chaos in your life. This rest is the removal of any sickness in your life. This rest is you ain't got to worry about somebody getting a virus in your house. Your mind is at ease. Your, your body is at, at rest. Your mind is at rest. How many knows your body could be sleeping, but your mind doesn't rest? 
Yet you ever slept through the night but woke up because you were tormented in dreams and waking up throughout the night? The clock says you slept a certain amount of hours, but your mind and your body don't feel like it did. Because you slept, but you didn't rest. How many knows there's a difference between sleeping and rest? How many knows you can rest with just a couple hours sleep? Some of y'all, if you're like me, you, you, I don't matter what time you go to bed, your body is going to wake up at the same time. It's got an eternal clock. I'm telling you, right now, I have purposely at time looked at my phone, which is my alarm clock, and said, I'm not turning you on tomorrow. I'm not setting any alarm. I am dead tired. I am going to sleep in tomorrow. And my body said, <laughs> made me so mad. I was open. Just around the same time that the clock usually does it for me. Look at the clock. Oh, are you kidding me? How many of those I'm talking about? But I'm going to tell you something. If you got peace, you can sleep four hours and be rested. And the doctor tells you you need seven to eight hours. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all getting ten hours and you're still dragging through the day. Wanting more sleep. You don't need more sleep. You need rest. Now, your body needs sleep. I'm not telling you not to sleep because if you don't sleep, you act crazy. Some of y'all, some, if you, you ever been around somebody that ain't slept in days? You'd think they're demon-possessed. I'm talking they get crazy. They get crazy. Sleep. Somebody say, I need to sleep. But more than sleep, I need rest. There is a rest that remains for the people of God. You can start repeating. Thank you. I love you, man. You're just doing what I asked you to do. I appreciate it. Tells, verse 2. Verse 3 and verse 4 talks about that rest. But let me show you something that's going to blow your mind. It says, in verse, let me go up here and look and find it. For we have believed the the rest, verse 3. Uh, where's that? Where's that? Where's that? Okay. Verse 8, verse 8, verse eight says, for if, if you got a King James, what does it say? Jesus. Every other translation, it says Joshua. I've told you before that Jesus is actually the word Joshua in a, in a slur version of it. It's Yahashua or Yeshua. Is Yahashua the same as Joseph? So there is, you know, you can get all tore up about it if you want to. You know, you're King James only. You can say everybody else is a perversion of the gospel and all kinds of stuff you can say. Uh, but I can tell you this, that I do believe there are some versions of the Bible that, that are not that accurate, and I don't care for them. There are some versions of the Bible that's uh, on the borderline, but then there's also several versions of the Bible that literally just simply try to take and say the same thing that the Greek and the Hebrew says, but put it in a different word to make it easier for us to understand, and I don't have a problem with it. If you have a problem with it, you got a problem with it, I don't have a problem with it, then I'm sorry, because I'm, I preach out the New King James Version. Sometimes I read from the message. Sometimes I read from the New Living Translation, and uh, we're going to have to agree to disagree, or you're, gonna, you're never going to be comfortable here. But, but, but I do thank God for the King James Version, but I can tell you the only version out there that says Jesus is the King James Version. Every other version says Joshua, and that's because in the original Hebrew it says Joshua, and we do know 
know that the entire chapter 3 and chapter 4 is talking about and quoting from Psalm 95 and talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness. And we know that Joshua was the one that led them into the promised land. Okay? So Joshua led them into the promised land, and that's what we're talking about is rest. So let's just, you know, I don't have time to break that down. I don't have any other explanation for you. I can just tell you that the Greek translation of the word Joshua is Jesus, and that's what the original manuscript says is Joshua. Verse 11 reminds us that the obedience is still key to our rest. What's what he says? Let us therefore be vigilant to enter that rest, lest anyone fall to the same example of disobedience. Can I tell you something? That if you want to enter into rest, you're going to have to be obedient to God. There is, and I'm not trying to uh, do a broken record here, beat a dead horse, whatever you want to call it, but i got to say this. There is a concerted effort to divide your allegiance at this time to who you are allegiant to, to who you serve, to who you stand upon the principles of the Word. I'm telling you, if you, if you don't know this, go back and watch. It, you know, it's up to you, but I, I, I don't even want to uh, force myself to even have to endure this, but I have done it. Go back and watch the experts during this entire pandemic. I'm talking about the faces, the famous faces. Famous faces. I'm not going to say their names. If I say their names, I'll probably get kicked off and won't be able to get to finish this message. You know who they are. They're the ones that are talking heads that represent uh, the medical field and represent science. And you go back and, and watch them, and you will, you will see that many of them on the record have said time and time again, some of them as, as, as recent as just a few months ago, have made declarations that are polar opposite of what they're saying now. Now, I'm not saying that I don't believe that, that they say, well, science changes. The more we learn, the more we adjust to it. I'm not discrediting that. I'm not saying that that's not the case. What I'm trying to say to you is this. You, you cannot put your total faith in someone's declaration knowing that it's very, very possible that that same declaration is going to be diametrically opposed and changed and proclaimed by the same people. Forget what I said before because this is what I'm saying now. If your life is being pulled back and forth from the voices of this world, you will never have peace. You you will never walk in peace. I'm always getting quiet in here. You will never walk in peace if your total allegiance and your total faith is based on the, 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 the man's declaration of what they have come up with because we have seen that they are 100% confident on something without a doubt. That's, that's the fact. And two months later, it's no longer the fact. Now it's completely something different. But here's the reality. I'm not against science. I know science is an hypothesis and a theory, and it can be adjusted along the way as you learn more about it. I'm all about that. But let me just tell you something. God's Word has never changed. Praise God. Now, if you're a child of God, it's the same as it was 1,500 years ago as it is today. It doesn't change and adjust. God's word was the same during the Spanish flu. God's word was the same during polio. God's word was the same during the measles. God's word was the same. Come on, y'all hear me. Fill in the blank. It was the, God's word was the same during World War I, World War II, Vietnam War, Korean War, the war on terrorism. Do you understand that in just a few weeks we come up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11? That's hard to believe, ain't it? 20 years of 9-11. Let me tell you what your Homeland Security released yesterday. 
You remember 20 years ago when it happened? Remember how you felt, how horrible it was? Remember how it, it was sad that it took that to unite a nation? Democrats, Republicans, all races flying the flag, proud of the flag. We were one nation under God, indivisible. We believed in liberty and justice for all. We all got behind. Somebody has got to pay for this. Some, we've got to stand up for our freedoms. In 20 years, look how this nation has changed. Now it's considered to be offensive to fly the flag. It's offensive to fly the flag of the United States of America. And the Department of Homeland Security that did not exist on September 10th, 2001, that was established as a result of the attack of radical terrorists attacking the freedoms of this nation, 20 years released their number one terror threat. Go to their website and verify me. I verified it this morning. Their number one upcoming terrorist threat is those that will come against COVID-19 measures. It's on the Department of Homeland Security. Number one threat of terrorist activity from within our nation that will use the virus and the disagreeing of the policy to bring about, bring about terrorist attacks against our own nation. Of course, they're basing that on everything they're saying about January 6th. I, I don't care if I get flagged anymore anyway. If I get kicked off, we're going to still have church. That'll force people to come to church. But that's the number one. That's on the Department of Homeland Security's website on the 20th anniversary of the towers coming down and our Pentagon being attacked. The number one threat first listed is those that may not agree with COVID measures using that to create a terrorist activity against the nation. I got news for you. I know there's some stupid people out there and some people that, are, that have done some stupid things, but that is not the number one threat against this nation. 20 years, $85 billion, $85 billion was spent to train the Afghan army to defend themselves, and in less than two weeks, they crumbled. And the entire nation is being taken over by the same ones that pulled the towers down 20 years ago. But the number one threat is somebody that might not agree with a mask. I didn't say I agree with a mask or not, but that ain't the number one threat against our nation. You, you, can, you can believe what you want to believe about that. I'm just trying to illustrate to you the magnitude of the Department of Home. And let me tell you something. We got ha over half this country that would read that and say, amen. Let me tell you something. Can I tell you something? I'm not, this is not a political statement. This is a statement that we have lost our obedience to God. Somewhere along the way, the church has changed its allegiance. I hope you come back next Sunday because I'm not trying to run anybody off. But I'm also not trying to patty cake you either. you got enough patty caking as there is. You need somebody. You need some kind. If this is the only voice you get seven days a week, 
that will speak boldly, then I want to be that voice. I've not, I've not condemned. I've not judged a single person. I've not told a single person not to get the vaccine. I've not told a single person not to wear a mask. I've not told a single person not to social distance. I'm telling you right now, I believe that you need to make your own decision and you need to keep your own family safe. But I'm going to tell you right now, this ain't about that. This is about a church that has forgotten Jesus. This is about a church that has forgotten the cross. This is about a church that has forgotten an empty tomb. This is about a church that is forgotten. By the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Wake up, church! Do you have people in your church with COVID? Of course! Every church has people with COVID right now. Every church has people with the flu every year. Every church has people battling cancer. Every church has people battling heart disease. Every church has people that has STDs and they're battling them. Every church has things in their past that have condemned them. Every church has people battling clinical depression. Every church has people with suicidal thoughts. I'm speaking against the devil. I'm not speaking against one particular virus. I'm telling the same devil is the devil of all those things. He's not just the devil of COVID-19. So they tell you, they tell you on YouTube, you can't say those words. COVID-19. Somebody shared this. And I said, I gotta verify this for myself. Because let me tell you, how about this? How about this? Just because you see something, don't believe it. Verify it for yourself. Because anybody can make anything now. You can make you can make videos that look real, just as real as human beings. So I verify everything before I, before I go into it. YouTube's policies is their policies for what you can say and what you cannot say. I showed it to my wife yesterday. I verified it. When, on the phone, you can imagine. I got an iPhone. You're scrolling. I had to scroll six or seven full scrolls just to read what you cannot say regarding this virus. Not regarding anything else, period. Just this virus. I'm going to tell the truth. And the vaccine. What you cannot say. I want to tell you what it says to begin with. Go search it yourself. Search this. YouTube COVID-19 policy or restrictions or something like that. Do it yourself. The very first line is this. You are not permitted to endorse or say any home remedies, comma, listen, prayer, it's there. Do it yourself. Verify yourself. Prayer, comma, a few other things that would encourage the people to choose those instead of another CDC recommended policy. It says it in bold letters in YouTube's policy. You will be banned if you tell anyone to just believe God in prayer. Am I telling the truth? I read it to you. This video probably won't get uploaded. I mean, we're going to try it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. But, but you know, we... 
They kicked us. They, they, we stopped streaming on YouTube a long time ago because they started flagging us for all kinds of stuff even before all this started. So we just said, you know what, we'll just, we'll just do it on Facebook as long as they'll let us do it, and then we'll upload it on YouTube. But I got a feeling when we upload this one, it may be the end or the first strike. They said, we'll give you one strike, but we reserve the right. That's what it says at the very end. We reserve the right to permanently... Delete and eliminate your channel if we deem the, that that one strike is serious enough. So you got people that have millions of subscribers that if they get online and say, listen, what you really need to do is raise your hands right now and believe that God is able to go into your house right now and heal everybody in your house of COVID-19, that if you say that, and don't qualify it by coming right back and saying, but I'm not saying that you shouldn't go get a test, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't get the vaccine. If you don't say that, all the work, all the lives that have been changed, gone. Because they have the power to flip the channel. Woo, it's getting quiet in here. So I may have just lost some folks in this church right now. I hope I didn't. Because let me tell you something, I ain't said nothing but the truth. I ain't trying to put nobody in danger. I don't want to, come on, y'all hear me. I don't want to live in your house. I don't want to go in your house and tell you how to live your life. That's why I thank God we got a thousand seat auditorium. You can sit wherever you want to. You can get as far away as anybody as you want to. You can wear a hazmat suit and sit on the balcony. We'll, we'll love you. Ain't nobody going to judge you. Amen. You don't want to shake a hand with we'll fist bump. You don't want to do that with we'll side hug. You don't want to do that, I'll wave at you, shoot you with a uh, Holy Ghost gun pistol. That's up to you. Here we go. Y'all still with me? Somebody shout, preach, pastor. Okay, okay. Y'all remember hee-haw? We're done now. We're through playing now. I'm, I, I'm through talking about that now. Let's move on. Verse 12. Here's the answer, y'all. For the Word of God. Somebody shout the Word of God. Oh, I love this. For the Word of God is living. It's alive. And it is powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Woo! And there is no creature hidden from its sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. My God! The book of Hebrews will preach, y'all. Here it is. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is sharper. Watch this. This is why he's saying you got to break it down and see what he's saying. Sharper than any two-inches sword. Here's what he's saying. It's sharper, listen, than anything man has ever made. The sharpest, most deadly Double-edged sword out there today is what the writer was saying. Pales in comparison 
to the sharpness and the cutting ability of the Word of God. It, when, it, when it hits you, when you, get, when you get hit with this sword of the Spirit, it doesn't just stab you. It pierces and even causes a division of your soul and spirit. It will cause the revelation of the war between the flesh and the spirit. There is a war going on inside of you. Did you know that? He says the soul and spirit. These are both spiritual parts of you. Now watch this. You can, when you look at somebody, you only see one part of that person. If you believe what the Bible says, and if you believe spiritually, you know that all you see is one realm of that person that is called the flesh. But inside of that person, man, woman, child, is a soul. That soul is the mind, not the brain. I'm going to get deep on you. The brain is part of your body the same way your heart is part of your body, the same way your veins, your nerve endings, your muscles, your skeletal system. Are you hearing me? Your organs, those all make up the flesh. This is not just the flesh. This is the skin. The skin is covering the flesh. The, the Bible tells us the book of Leviticus, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Are y'all hearing me? So the blood that pumps through your body is keeping your flesh alive. So what's inside of your body is the same as what's on the outside of your body. That is your flesh. Are you with me? Say amen. If you could split yourself into three parts, and here's Larry, the spirit. Here's Larry, the soul of the mind. Here's Larry, the flesh. We were created in the image of God. Remember that in Genesis 1.26? Don't skip over the fact that we serve one God. There will be only the gods before, but it's one God. But watch how he reveals to us the power of how he made us. Instead of saying, I'm going to make man in my image, he says in Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and let us give them dominion. Are you hearing me? That was not a play on pronouns. That was a play on mankind. That didn't mean that to be hate speech and mean. I was just trying to say that that's what we're told all the time is what that word means now. Let us give them, meaning the spirit realm, in the spirit realm, the same authority and power is in a woman that is in a man. Because what's in a woman is in a man. It's called a spirit. Jesus, God breathed life into that statue of clay, and man became a living soul. Are y'all with me? I've often described it this way. I started describing this way way back in the hay barn. If you want to understand the war that's within you, here's the easiest way I found out to, to, to describe it. If I could split myself into three parts. As a child of God, my, when I ask Jesus to come into my heart, I'm not asking him to come into the thing that pumps blood. I'm asking him to come by his spirit and take habitation within my spirit man, which is eternal. Spirit things do not die. Angels do not die. Don't you know if spirit things could die, God would have done kill the devil. 
But that would be against his own law that he wrote that things that are spiritual are eternal. You're, everybody that's alive today is going to live forever. They're either going to live forever in heaven or they're going to live forever in a place called hell. They're not going to a place called purgatory in the middle that you can pray them out of. And if you came from a Mormon background, you can't wear some stinking underwear for about two months and then get baptized on behalf of your loved ones that's dead and get them into heaven for you and help you rule the planet one day. Don't mean to be demeaning of our Mormon family members either, but that's pretty crazy theology. That, you know, if you die and you're not a Mormon, I can wear certain underwear and not take a bath for about a month in that underwear, and then I can take my clothes off and get into a pool somewhere in a sacred temple somewhere in that underwear, and that skin, that underwear becomes the skin of my loved one, and when I'm baptized, I become that person. I'm baptizing myself on behalf of that other person, and now wherever they're floating out there, they're able to come back, and now they have a planet they can rule over and reign over. I'm sorry, man. That's not in the Bible I read. What was I talking about? Three part, three part. Yeah. <laughs> Jim said dirty underwear, I think. <laughs> I think I was talking about dirty underwear. Woo, man, I wouldn't want to be that person that baptized you. Because you'd be stinking. That'd be rank, man. Okay. So, I'm a child of God. Holy Ghost is in my spirit. Right? He's in my heart. That's the heart of man, spirit. I'm a spirit man that possesses a soul, which is your mind, your emotions, your intellect, and I live in a body. Okay? This is my earth suit, if you will. All right. So spirit, soul, and body. Here's the war. Let's make it simple. Here's the war that you are raging every day in your life. And then you've got to ask yourself, which part of you is leading you? Somebody walks up to all three parts of me and starts with the spirit man and says, spirit man, I got a question for you. Do you believe that God can heal someone who has a virus? Spirit man replies something like this. Is that a question? Is that a question? Do you not remember what Jesus said on the cross when he said it is finished? The Bible says you shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. If you are led of the flesh, the Bible says, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. Are y'all hearing me, church? So anybody that's led by the flesh, the world in which we live, will end in corruption. If you're led by the Spirit, the world in which we hope to live in, one day and be in, and it's the unseen realm that's around us, and the Holy Spirit operates through that spirit realm, we shall reap life and then life everlasting. So your brain is like a hard drive that records what you have put in your mind or your soul. And Paul said this, present your bodies the best you can. Live as holy as you can. Don't do anything stupid with your body. If you feel led to wear a mask, and you feel then that's protecting your body. Wear the mask. He has no problem with you doing that. But don't live by fear. Don't live by fear because that is not an attribute of the Spirit. Oh, y'all don't want me to preach the rest of this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, finish it, and a sound mind. Fear 
is not a sound mind. Y'all with me? Be not conformed to this world. Do not allow yourself to conform to the world. I'm going to say it again. Do not allow yourself, your family, your marriage, your faith, your obedience to God be based on your conformance to the world. Because the ones that are telling you to not go to church do not even believe in God. Now, I'm not going to say that every doctor I've ever had that I've used believed in God. I'm not going to be that gullible and stupid. But I can tell you this. I'll listen to the doctors. I'll do what the doctors say. But the doctor's words to me on how to treat something that I'm going through will not define my ultimate belief. That God is bigger than a pill. He's bigger than an injection. And I've seen him. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. You can argue all you want to. But you are dealing with a man that with an experience. I have seen cancer disappear. I've seen people die of cancer. But I've also seen cancer disappear. I've seen people die of heart attacks. But I've also seen people replace heart with a brand new heart and live a long life. I can't explain why it happens here and why it don't happen there. But the fact that it happens here, and I've seen it happen, and nobody did it but God, tells me that if God wants to do it, He's able to do it. And medicine cannot override that. Science will always support that and not override that. Ooh, I'm preaching good. I'm going to get through like, what, 10 verses today. It's amazing. Don't be conformed to this world. Do not jail yourself with the world. You're supposed to be peculiar. The Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. There's supposed to be something different from you than the world. If you talk like the world, act like the world, listen to the same thing the world listen to, says the same things the world listens to, how will anybody ever know that there's something different about you? How will they ever know that you got something that they need? Because they don't even know you are any different than them. Some of you, and I mean it with love, have worked a job for years, and the folks you work with don't even know you go to church, let alone where you go to church. How many coming back next Sunday? Shout amen. I ain't going to ask for the ones that ain't coming back. Do not be conformed to this world, but be, say it loud, but what be? How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind. So in other words, every one of us, every one of us, was conformed to the world. Every one of us. That's called being born into sin. Right? 
Every one of us. You don't transform into something unless you were one state and you transferred into another state. If you're wondering online how we feel, we are a trans church. We believe in transformation. Come on, somebody, amen. <laughs> and we believe that no matter what state you're in, no matter what the, what the world tried to tell you you are and that you were born as, God is able to transform you. Do you believe that people were born that way? Yep, I do. Everybody was born into sin. Sometimes that sin manifests as a thief. Sometimes that sin manifests as a liar. Sometimes that sin manifests as a murder. Sometimes that sin manifests in a sexual way. But whatever it manifests, we were all born into sin. But we were all told not to conform to that sin, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You need to get somebody to tell you something in your mind that God's Word said. Who did God say that I am? Who did God say that I am? Who did God say that I am? I'm trying to get kicked off all of them today. Tired of worrying about it. Because here's what the world needs. The world says, oh, okay, okay. I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. But where's the proof? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? The world doesn't know the proof of the will of God because the church is not transformed enough to show them. You want proof? Here's proof. Get transformed. Find you a church full of transformed. Find you a church that's full of the Holy Ghost. And you won't. Listen, we got archaeological proof. We got all kinds of archaeological proof to prove the Bible, to prove Jesus. But you won't need nobody to see something in the antiquities. You won't need to see somebody in a museum if they'd known somebody was a lifetime alcoholic. My God, they ain't never had a day where they didn't pick up a drop of Jack Daniels. And then all of a sudden, they went to a place where God was moving and they got delivered my God and they no longer drink Jack Daniels they no longer you want proof you want proof you want proof get around somebody they used to be one thing but they're another thing now the world needs to see some proof closed by these words which is your reasonable service is what Paul said Paul said God ain't asking you to do something that's impossible he's just simply asking you to trust him Whew. I'll go ahead and close it for today although I don't want to in the flesh but I gotta obey the Holy Spirit right now I believe there's some proof about to be generated in this house if there ain't nobody got to know your business, but if you're in this house right now, 
and you have a generational curse over your head that you can't seem to shake every time you turn around something keeps coming up you keep being reminded that your daddy or your mama or your great grandpa or your uncle and your aunt died of it was sick of it or was tormented by it and you, you can't seem to shake it I'm telling you right now it's time for you to get some proof of the God's word God's about to break that thing off of you right now I'm telling you if you're sitting there tormenting Ain't nobody got to ask you. No, ain't nobody going to ask you what it is. But some of you are tormented by what you're seeing on the news, what you're scared. Because you know people that you love have been sick and some have even died. And the reality is this is very real. And But that realness of, of a very real virus has gripped your heart in fear. And you, you, you still want to take care of yourself. You still want to be safe. But you got to get delivered from the spirit of fear. Come on. So I'm telling you right now, whatever it is, whatever's tormenting your mind, whatever generational curse tonight, today, that you want to see your life transformed. You have got the word today. If you allowed your mind to listen and your heart to listen, your mind has been transformed today. Now it's time to deal with the rest. If that's you, I want you to come down to this altar. Let me pray for you right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Break that generational curse right now. Break that generational curse right now. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It stops with you. Your babies are not going to have to deal with this. Your grandparents, your grandchildren are not going to have to deal with this. Praise God. It's broken with you. It stops right here. It stops it stops right here. It stops right here. No, no more worrying about breast cancer just because mama or, or great, mom, great, great grandma had it. No more worrying about prostate cancer because your, your granddaddy had it. No more worrying about Alzheimer's. Come on. No more worrying about dementia because it runs in your family. Your mind is being renewed. Break that right now. Break that right now. Break that right now. Four, I can't think, maybe five of the eight children of my mother's life my mother's brothers and sisters either died uh, of Alzheimer's, of the complications of Alzheimer's or dementia, or died with other complications and had that with it as well. It is a huge generational thing in my life. But I have broke that thing over my life. I declare I will not have dementia. I declare I will not have Alzheimer's. I declare that my children, my grandchildren will not suffer with it. Can I get an amen? We're breaking that thing, praise God. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else before I pray? Is there anybody else before I pray? God knows what it is. I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to stick a microphone in your face and ask you what it is. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Anybody else? They're still coming. They're still coming. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? I want to wait just a few more seconds. Thank you for your obedience, sister. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Raise your hands. Church, stretch your hands. This where they're still coming. My God. My God. Come on up here and raise your hands up. If you're still coming up here for that, come on up here and raise your hands. In the name of Jesus. We are not conformed to this world, but we are transformed right now. We are hooking ourselves up to the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is transforming us now and our future. Father, I declare right now over every man and woman that's standing before me with hands raised. It's a sign of surrender. They've done all they can do. They've listened to the experts. They've taken medication. They've done everything they were advised to do. But here they are, Lord. Here they are, Lord, still battling. Battling in their mind. Fear creeping in. People in their family telling them, you better watch out. You better watch out because your mama had this. You better watch out because your daddy had this. We break that. We take those thoughts into captivity right now. We say to the enemy, you have no place in our minds. We will not be bound by words that have been spoken over us. Oh, I'm going to feel the Holy Ghost right here on this one. We will not be bound by our genes, our genetic makeup. We are not bound by what our DNA says about us. 
God, you are able to adjust the DNA. You are able to fight against genetics because ultimately you are the one that created us. You are the one that made us. And even in our sin-cursed bodies, even in our genetic makeup and our DNA makeup, you are able to alter it, God, to stop these generational things in their tracks. We bind the spirit of fear. Come on, church, stretch your hands this way and agree with me. These are people who are being tormented by thoughts in their mind. These are your brothers and sisters. We bind that spirit of fear right now. We command it to loose their minds right now. We command it to loose their minds right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now breathe it in. Breathe it in. That's peace. That's peace that pastors all understand. Right there. You don't need a man to touch you. Right there where you're at. Your faith. I say this because I'm quoting Jesus, not because I said these are not my words, these are Jesus' words. Your faith has made you whole. Breathe it in. Ain't nothing like peace. 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 Wonderful peace. 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 Wonderful peace. We thank you, Lord. Settle the minds. No fear. No fear. God, we thank you, Lord, for specialists and doctors and experts and nurses and their commitments that they make to the betterment of our lives. We pray for their protection. We pray for their strength. I can't imagine what they're going through. I pray for them, Lord. I lift up all the first responders, all those that are putting themselves in harm's way in the face of this evil virus and all other things that they have to deal with, not just this virus. So God, we thank God for them. And right now in this moment, let our minds supersede fear. You've given us a sound mind. A sound mind. I want the whole church to help these that are up here and those that are up here, you especially, especially say it. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. You can speak things even before they manifest in the natural. You can call them as if they were, even before they get here. That's called faith. So church all together, say this with me. My mind is clear. My mind is full of peace. My mind is settled. My mind is not afraid. My mind is sound. Now, we're going to make another declaration. Now, you speak to your flesh. You say this and you say it with boldness. And I'm saying it myself because i got issues too that I, I need God to deal with in my body. Say it. Let's say it. Flesh, listen to the Word of God. You will not lead me. I am led by the Spirit. You will. Be crucified and will line up with the word that is in my mind. I will walk in health. I will walk in healing. Strength is in my body in the name of Jesus. Come on, give him praise right now. Come on, give him praise. Come on, give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise.